and you're listening to the Texas Standard. Everyone needs a hero, and for many, Stan Lee wasn't just a maker of heroes. He was, in his own way, one of them. When Stan Lee joined Marvel Comics, his company was in a losing battle against the giant that brought the world Batman, Superman, and other heroes seemingly chiseled out of stone, larger-than-life figures without flaws. But as Marvel Comics was on the brink of going under, Stan Lee took over and made a new universe of heroes, with superpowers, sure, but also vulnerable, flawed, and all too human. Readers could at last see heroic versions of themselves in the comics, and that was a revolution, not just in comics, but in some sense in the way many of us grew up seeing ourselves, human but heroic too. And as comic book fans grieve the world over, this really hits home for Evan Narciss. He is the Austin-based writer of the Rise of the Black Panther comics. He wrote about Lee's death for io9, and he's been sharing his personal thoughts on Twitter as well. Evan, thanks so much for stopping by the Texas Standard Studios today. Thanks for having me. You're not alone, obviously, in taking Stan Lee's death very hard and, and, and personally, but this is obviously especially personal for you. Yeah, you know, I mean, I grew up reading comics, and... Stanley's influence and his presence didn't stop at just comics. You know, in the 1980s, when I was a, a younger man, um, we watched Spider-Man and the Amazing Friends. And that was an animated series where Stanley would narrate every episode. And, you know, you got to use, used to hearing his voice and he'd show up everywhere. He's been in video games. He's been in the movies, obviously, on TV. It's funny when we think about the characters that Stan Lee created, um, Stanley Lieber, his, his birth name, he created Stan Lee. Stan Lee himself is a character, you know? He's mm -hmm. uh, the creator as something larger than life, and I think that's why um, his passing has been so impactful for people. Let's talk about some of those characters he created. You mentioned Spider-Man, of course, uh, and we should say co-created because yes. he worked with a, with a variety of people over the years. Name some others that uh, people may have heard or perhaps some um, they might not have. Iron Man, of course, the Hulk, Fantastic Four, most of the major uh, Marvel characters that are on screen nowadays, Stan Lee had a, a hand in. Black Panther, obviously, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby co-created in Fantastic Four. Um, and, you know, and all his characters have this really um, compelling sense of humanity at their core. You know, like even somebody like Reed Richards, who's like the super genius father figure of the Fantastic Four. He's forgetful. He gets obsessed. In, you know, he, he can figure out any equation, any universal cosmic problem, but he'll forget to feed the kids or something like that. And he and his wife would argue about it. Uh, stuff like that would make the characters really familiar and really a human feeling. You know, it's interesting. You uh, mentioned that um, you grew up hearing Stan Lee's voice. And, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners uh, may have experienced the same thing. Uh, waking up uh, yesterday and, and realizing that that voice in your head is gone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that must be really powerful. It's, you know, it's... One of the stories I was thinking about yesterday was um, I just finished playing the Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 game with my daughter. Um, really the first kind of video game she played through all uh, to completion, and she was so psyched about it. And one of the things that they have in every level is Stanley is trapped. Some, somehow he got stuck or, or, or trapped or captured by bad guys, and you have to free him in every level. And she always wanted to do it. We didn't always do it, but when we did, she felt so happy. We saved Stan Lee. We saved Stan Lee. <laughs> um, you had and, to tell her. Yeah, and I had to tell her this morning that, that, that he passed away. Um, you know, she asked me how old he was. I said he was 95. And, you know, 
she's only seven years old, but she commented, well, you know, she, she understood that it was a full life. She told me, she said he did a lot of stuff. And, I, and you know, Stanley did a lot of stuff. He did more stuff and kept on doing stuff way past the time that most people would have, you know, had a, a happy, peaceful retirement. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that Stan Lee, in his own way, as you were talking earlier, became a kind of... It wasn't just a character behind the scenes. He would make appearances in the comics himself, and certainly in the Marvel films. But there's another uh, aspect of this, and that is that as we lionize Stan Lee, I, I, I wonder what he would think of that because he, too, was a flawed person. Yeah, you know... Uh, one of the anecdotes I, I tweeted about yesterday comes from another writer, Matt Fraction, who's a comic book writer. And um, he used to write a column uh, for a comic book website called Comic Book Resources. And he, he, there was a secondhand anecdote he talked about where a friend of his found an old children's book that Stanley had worked on before he was Stan Lee, back when he was still Stanley Lieber. And he, he brings the book to a signing and Stanley says very, you know, gently can I look at this? And he opens it up. He doesn't want to damage the book. Clearly, like, it's an artifact, something personal for him. And, you know, he took his glasses, those famous sunglasses, he took them off so he could see it better. And um, he says, thank you for sharing this with me. And then he puts the glasses back on. He's back to being, like, the showman, the the carnival barker. And, you know, there are layers to the man that I think the constant salesmanship probably did a disservice to, you know? Um I th- one of the things I think about Stan Lee's psychology is that uh, his greatest success was born at on the brink of failure, right? Uh, Marvel Comics was going to shut down, or the company that later became Marvel Comics was going to shut down. Right. And um, he got one last chance to kind of salvage the company. And um, as Marvel as an entity became this, this huge cash-making phenomenon, like he didn't participate in a lot of those profits, um, and I think that probably always haunted him and, and, and fueled the desire to constantly be in front of the camera, constantly be making deals. The irony there, of course, the bitter irony is that a lot of his co-creators uh, felt even more left out. Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, um, and other people that co-created these characters with him um, were, were marginalized when the narratives of, of, their, of these characters' creations were spooled out into the public. So... Um, you know, it, it's it's you, a lot of people think about him as like this grandiose um, grandfather of of pop culture, and he was. But you know, I think he had feet of clay, just like the characters that he himself uh, co-created. You know, so it's 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 something to think about uh, how complex and complicated he was privately in ways that we we'll, we don't really know. Evan Narcissus is an Austin-based journalist and writer of The Rise of the Black Panther comics. Evan, Excelsior. Excelsior, David, thank you.